Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text to call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. From the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Live in the Kia Studios with you on this Tuesday here for the full four. Asking to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone, the Alexa speakers, the tablet. The Atari 2600, your iPod, your Lightbright, your Palm Pilot, whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you're on the go. Social media, find us at 19 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Let's uh, spin the wheel of roulette producers and see. Uh, we've got Day Day here with us this evening. Now, the crazy thing is, I just ran into dialing uh downstairs so first off let's say uh because we as we say in the south we are we are busier than a one-armed paper hanger here tonight uh let's first say a thank you to the atlanta hawks as a, a fun little event that um just the, the hawks kind of a meet and greet with a couple of their partners obviously we're here at colony square so folks from 92.9 the game folks from bally sports we all got a chance to just kind of mingle and hang out uh the, the gm and coach did a little q a um, we got to see Steve Coonan. We got to see um, Steve Holman. So all the fun. Actually, you know, I I can say this. Steve Coonan and I had a side discussion. Him and I just kind of stood off to the side, and we had an off-the-record discussion about wrestling. So I got a lot of good information out of Steve and confirmed some things that I already thought and had known from talking to other people and stuff. So good times. Uh, and I saw Dylan down there. So Dylan was there, and I said, oh, you're producing tonight. Oh, no, no. Oh, okay. Um, not, he's not producing. Okay, all right. So I see him at all these different events and functions and things like that, but the thing that he got promoted full-time to produce the show, well, he can't do that. Can't, can't do all that. We got soccer and everything else. So Day Day's hanging out with me here this evening, so we'll have some fun with you. Uh, we get ready for Braves baseball which literally in about another minute and a half will be underway as they continue in Washington against the dirtbag. What a scuzz bucket organization the Nats are. They are awful. Like, they're not bad. They're awful. That's another one of those franchises that honestly burn it to the ground. 53-100 and 100 is what their record is this season. So we, um, we look at the lineup real quick. Ronnie out and right. Dansby Riley, Olsen Harris, Contreras. How much fun was it to see Michael Harris hit cleanup last night? So he drops down one spot into the five hole with Matt Olsen hitting cleanup. And then uh, Contreras will be behind the dish tonight. He'll catch Rosario in left, Marcelo Zuna DHing, who's actually had a pretty good September. Um, this will be interesting to see what happens. The playoff roster is going to be pretty fascinating. Who's in, who's out, and this, that, and the other. 
Orlando Arcia, and the just-brought-up Kyle Muller, who, what a performance last night from Bryce Elder. And I'm going to say, I think that is, given where we're at right now with the division race and keeping pace and everything else and you have to win and trying not to tax out your bullpen, which you know is tired, with only, what, eight games left? For Elder to throw a complete game shutout, when's the last time that happened? Like 1982? I I know it's been, they said, like, I think it's 30 years since a rookie or something had a complete game shutout. Let me tell you, complete game shutouts are less frequent than a 60-homer season nowadays. So what a performance by Elder. I would make a case that that's the best start this season for anybody. And I know some people told me about the Strider 16 strikeout. This is a complete game shutout with only a handful of games left where you have to win everything. That was an unbelievable performance last night. He was magnificent. I think it was a six-hitter is what he threw. And I was so glad that Snit just let him stay in, let him go in, let him go do his thing, and finish it out, youngster. Go finish it out, young kid. You ain't overtired. You ain't overworked. You ain't overtaxed. Go go get it. Go get, throw some pitches and go make it happen. And he did. A magnificent performance last night. So the Braves look to continue um, this streak here. As they, I'm, I'm looking in the stands right now at Washington. There are as many people right here on the ninth floor of Colony Square as there are in National Stadium or whatever. Like for, like for every one fan – there's at least 35 empty seats. So you're only at about a 35 to 1 ratio of empty. Like even behind the dugout here, there's literally three people sitting in seats behind the dugout. That's how god awful this franchise was. It was cool to see him at the White House yesterday. That was very cool. They got a chance to go to the White House, and that was a very cool photo op. And I don't know what Dansby's suit was, but that was a cool photo op that they had yesterday. So that was very cool. Got a chance to. See them uh, there, seeing them at the White House, and then obviously coming in uh, and winning the game last night. So we'll keep you up to date all night long about what goes on with Braves baseball as, of course, you know, trying to catch the the New York uh, Metropolitans uh, right now, who they will be in action literally in about three minutes themselves as they take on the god-awful, despicable Miami Marlins. Pablo Lopez against Carlos Carrasco tonight is your pitching matchup in that game. And, of course, right now, Braves start the night one game back. So, you know, who knows? Miami can find a way to win. Braves win. Or, you know, we can get a, we can get a you know, tie. And obviously we get ready and we get set up for, you know, Mets and Braves uh, coming up here. And that's going to be for all the marbles, right? For all the marbles. So uh, that will be the second to last series of the year. So as they finish up tomorrow night in Washington, then day off and then Friday at home, What's going to be interesting about Friday at home is the weather, right? And we'll get a college football roundup a little bit later on the show, but obviously weather's impacting all kinds of things. NFL, college football games are scheduling left and right. Not just in Florida, by the way. South Carolina's South Carolina, South Carolina State, they've changed their game. Uh, I saw the Florida Gators are going to play on Sunday now, right? South Florida and other teams are having to change things around. Um, there's talk about what the Dolphins and the Buccaneers are going to have to do this weekend. So everybody's got a lot going on, and, and there is talk about this could even impact what goes on at Truist Park come, coming up this weekend. More Friday, it seems like, than anything. If I looked at the weather report and heard from what Ella Dorsey was telling me, she 
it sounds like Friday is going to be the the. Oh, she told you personally. Well, she didn't tell me personally, <laughs> you know. But but you know, we 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 were like that, you know. But no, anyway. Uh, but no, it looks like Friday night's going to be the one that is going to be in doubt. And then by Saturday, things should clear out. And Sunday, I think we're going to be okay. And then it's one last series in Miami. Believe it or not, you know, counting tonight, eight games left. Eight games is it. And then we're finally into playoff baseball. This will be interesting, this playoff baseball this year, because the expanded playoffs and this, that, and the other. And, you know, they don't give them a lot of time off. There's not a lot of time off in these in these series and things like that. So they push this thing through pretty, pretty quickly. But, obviously, if the playoffs – and the World Series, more than anything, extends all the way through. Remember, it's going to be the latest ever that the World Series is played. Like, you're going to be finishing up the World Series, and then it's going to feel like a day or two later you got to cut your turkey. Like, that's how long everything is taken. So, we'll keep up to date on a lot long about Mets, Braves, obviously. We'll see what goes on here as uh, Kyle Muller gets a chance to uh, grab a start uh, tonight. So, uh Falcons, of course, getting ready. Look, we'll talk more about this coming up in the next segment. Uh, first off, let me mention, too, speaking of Braves baseball, 740 tonight, we got Bob Nightingale. So we're going to do weekly conversations on Tuesday with Bob Nightingale moving forward here through the playoffs and the end of this little bit of regular season. So we're going to talk to him coming up at 740. Falcons, of course, really good win. And, again, I said all week long, Wade Ford, everywhere you could find me, must win, must win, must win. Not because of playoffs or divisions or record or just you needed a win. You did not want to come back home 0-3 and sell that to your fan base. So it was a very much a winnable game. Falcons took advantage of it. We'll talk a lot about that coming up here in about uh, 10 minutes uh, from right now. Um, obviously, look, uh, Georgia Tech. And I thought that this would – I thought they wouldn't do this until the pit after the pit game. Because I've been saying since before the season started that I thought it was realistic they could be 1-4 and four to start the season. And I talked about for weeks that that Central Florida game is the swing game for Jeff Collins' future. But I honestly thought they would give him through Pitt. Because I thought they would wait until they got back home where they're going to play back-to-back games against Duke and Virginia. I thought, okay... They go up to Pitt, they lose, they'll be 1-4 to start the season, and then I thought that's when they would make a move. Now, I'm not surprised that Todd Stansberry left as well, but I am a little bit, I am a little bit surprised. I, I, I understand at this point, if you're going to clean house, let's clean house and let's get a complete fresh and clean slate and let a different set of eyes. I'll say two things about this, and we're going to talk to Ken Segura coming up at 820. My two first thoughts. Number one, no Georgia Tech alumni hire from the coach or AD. I don't care if they went to Tech, didn't go to Tech. They, they love Tech. They graduated from Tech. They got 14 degrees from Tech. They played at Tech, all this. and Got to get out of that mindset. I'm not worried about getting a Tech man in here. And the second part of this, well, I guess a few different parts in all of this. Um. I don't think that I don't think Tech's going to go after I. Me personally, I'm not hiring Deion Sanders. I'll put that out there right now. I'm not trying to win the press conference. I have to rebuild my program. And with all due respect to Deion, he's doing a nice job at Jackson State. It's not time for Deion to jump up to the ACC and take a program that's in shambles. I'm not worried about Tech. Needs to not worry about the press conference. The number one thing Tech is, should be focused on right now is why did it not work with Jeff Collins. 
Why did it not work? And I keep going back to this. Why did it not work? What was it with Jeff Collins that the plan failed? Because if you don't figure that part of it out, ain't going to matter who you bring in. You bring in Jamie Chadwell and this, that, and the other. And I like a few of the names that I've heard. I'm not enamored about Bill O'Brien. I'm certainly not enamored about Bronco Mendenhall. I like Jamie Chadwell. I'd like to see them make a run at him. I like what he's done in another kind of small mid-tier program. But they need a football coach that can come in and fix the football program. Now, obviously, they got to get an AD in place first. But they need a football coach. And here's the other thing they don't need, another Paul Johnson. They just got dug out of the hole of all that. By the way, a lot of, let me tell you, there's a lot of revisionist history going on, especially around these parts here, about the end of Paul Johnson's run. Day-Day, Paul Johnson's last four years, how many games above 500 do you think Paul Johnson was for his last four years at Tech? How many? None. He was one game below 500. He was 24 and 25. Do you remember that? Because everybody talks about all, you know, the the, uh, Orange Bowl and all. You remember when they beat Mississippi State in the Orange Bowl? Yes. Okay. They came into that next season as the preseason number 16 team in the country. Okay? What was their record that year? Any idea? Uh, I don't remember now. Three and nine. Wow. They won one game, and that was the miracle on Techwood when they beat Florida State. Right. That was their only ACC win. They were 1-7 in conference. Paul Johnson in his last four years was 14-18 and in conference. And it ain't like he, you know, played the better of the two divisions. Wasn't like he was playing the division with, you know, guys like Lamar Jackson and people like that. I know he played Clemson, but it was still Virginia, Virginia Tech, Duke, Carolina, Miami. He still played that side of the division because the Coastal's dreadful this year. Virginia's dreadful. Duke's a fun story. Tech is no good. Virginia Tech's no good. Miami's stinking it up. They need a football coach. They need somebody to come in here and take hold of this program, get the recruiting on track, get the players on track, and when they coach them up, you know, or when they get them on campus, coach them up. And unfortunately, this program can't afford to let the people like Jameer Gibbs leave out because they don't have enough talent to allow a Jameer Gibbs to leave and then think they're just going to replace him. They don't have enough talent to do all that. So we'll talk Ken Segura coming up at 820, his thoughts about it as well. When we get back, though, my thoughts about the Falcons and what we saw on Sunday. First chance to react for me, Chuck Reed in the Kia Studios. Sports right now to the game, odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 929 The Game. Back at it, John Chuckery Show, hanging out at Kia Studios. Tuesday night with you. 20 minutes from right now, we'll talk to Bob Nightingale, our Odyssey MLB insider. 
as uh, Braves are in action right now, as uh, just getting underway here in the first inning. Hey, uh, the BetQL BetQL app uses proven data and analytics to help you make smarter bets. Check out the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com and get started today. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line if you want to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us on the go. Social media at 929 The Game at JMCH316. So, (laughs) Sunday, I thought, was a really good win for the Atlanta Falcons. And it was just what the doctor ordered. And it's funny because in just listening to fan chatter and things like that, there's an upbeatness about this team. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I picked them to be six wins. Day-Day, ask me how many wins I picked last year for the Falcons. Uh, I think I know, but how many did you pick? Seven. Yep. Now, ask me what they're, how many they actually won last year. How many did they actually win Seven. last year? Seven. Yeah. So, look, I'm not expecting the Falcons to be whatever, 13-4 and four this year or, you know, something crazy. But the old axiom, as Randy Mack says, football's easy, coaches make it hard. If you can control the line of scrimmage, if you can block up front, and you can run the football effectively, you'll be in most games. And then you have to just mix in a play from your quarterback or what have you. Well, I thought the Falcons kept it very simple on Sunday. And I like the game plan of power run, let Patterson do his thing, mix in Algier, hit some passes. Oh, yeah, target Kyle Pitts. Now, let's go back in time, Day-Day, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that movie Wayne's World, right? Remember yeah. Wayne's yeah, World? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Remember when they would go back in time and they do the... Okay, let's do that. All right, so we're back in time. We're at 2015. All right. So if you remember in 2015, Dan's first year, Kyle Shanahan, the offense coordinator. In the middle of the season, there was getting to be a lot of chatter about why are we not targeting Roddy White? Who, by the way, Roddy White has said that he blames Kyle Shanahan as to why he wasn't here in 16, that Kyle Shanahan was the number one factor about him not being here. But they weren't targeting Roddy. They were targeting Julio, but they weren't targeting Roddy. And why were we not going after Roddy? So after two targets in the Arizona game, they have a bye week, and then at, um, I guess it's uh, the Georgia Dome, right, because Mercedes-Benz wasn't open yet, at the Georgia Dome, the Indianapolis Colts come in with Matt Hasselbeck at quarterback. The first three plays from scrimmage for the Falcons on offense in that game, guess what they did? Threw it to Roddy. The first four passes that Matt threw in that game, mm-hmm. they threw it at Roddy. Mm-hmm. So guess what we saw on Sunday? Yep. <laughs> the first play from scrimmage, huck it downfield to Pitts. Four of the first seven plays were targeted to Kyle Pitts. Only one of Mariota's first five passes went to somebody else besides Kyle Pitts. That was Ferkser on the first drive. So, listen, I love the pettiness. I love the idea. And anybody out there in listener land that doesn't think that that was an intentional deal is crazy. If you don't think that that was intentional, here's my word for you. Hogwash. Hogwash. You don't have 
four of your first seven plays that go directly to one guy that's not a running back. Your quarterback doesn't throw it five times, four of them to one guy, one to another guy, unless that's what your plan was. Same thing with Roddy and Kyle Shanahan in 2015 when they came out and they threw it right at him in that Colts game. First three plays from scrimmage, pass to Roddy, pass to Roddy, pass to Roddy. First four passes Matt had, Roddy, 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 Roddy. That was intentional. Not mad at it. I I just, what did we talk about last week? The quarterback, the pits, and this coach all have to be better about getting him the ball. Now, look, we still got to get him involved in the red zone because it's now one touchdown in 20 games for Kyle Pitts. And that's not unicorn-like, okay? You can't sell me on unicorn when you have one touchdown in 20 games. I don't care whose fault you think that is. That's everybody's fault. That's coaches, that's quarterback, that's Pitts. It's everybody's fault. It's not one person. It's not two people. It's everybody's fault. So we got to work on that and get that fixed. Obviously, the defense had its struggles, but when they needed their defense in the fourth quarter, they dialed up a couple of sacks. They got the Richie Grant interception. When they needed to lean on their defense and get a play out of their defense, their defense made a play for them. And that was impressive as well. And again, I can't say enough good things about Cordell Patterson. We're going to talk about him a little bit in the Falcons flyover. But by and large, the offensive line has played well. They average 5.8 yards per carry. They've done a good job up front. I'm going to give you some stats about Chris Lindstrom. Hugh Douglas better cover his ears because he's not going to like this about Chris Lindstrom. But they ran the football effectively. They got the ball to Kyle Pitts. They got Drake. How about the play to Drake London? Wasn't that real easy? Quick drop, one Mm -hmm. read, throw it to him. That's Didn't have to. Mariota didn't read defense. He didn't go through progressions. That was his hot read. He came off, came off the line, in, open, hit, throw, touchdown. Yeah. And he looked, he looked, and I can't remember if that was you, JC, or if it, uh, was with uh, John and Hugh in the mornings because, you know, they got me all over the place. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> but I remember the conversation was Mariota had, didn't look confident with some of those zip them in their passes where well, I, I saw a difference in that this week. Here's the, diff- here's the thing. If Mariota is one read and throw, my hot read, look at him throw, mm-hmm. he's fine. Right. It's when he has to stay in the pocket and go through progressions yeah. and progress through yeah. and, and read through. That's where the trouble begins. And and I gave out the stat on Sunday on the Wade Ford Show. When he had two and a half seconds, okay, two and a half seconds or less, mm-hmm. he was a like a, a 55% completion percentage. And if he had more than two and a half seconds, I'm trying to remember now what it was. It, I think it was close to 70. Right. So look, if if he's got if he's got a hot read. Okay, and and look, when you've got more than two and a half seconds in the pocket, basically your wide receivers are going to start running around and somebody's bound to get open. Right. Okay, but two and a half seconds is not like it's a blitz and your quarterback is down. You've got some time to go one, two, three, four through your progressions if you have to. And he didn't complete many passes where he completes those passes is five step, one read, hot read, throw, go. Right. That's the two touchdowns to London. That's those kinds of reads. 
four, you know, like the first play from scrimmage. That was drop back, huck it downfield to Kyle Pitts. And he missed Pitts. Right. He overthrew him. Yeah, the overthrew He missed him. Yeah. him. But that was drop back, one read, I'm throwing it downfield to Pitts. Right. That's the play. Huck, for, for a power run team, for a power run team that wants to establish the line and run the football, first play from scrimmage was huck it downfield to Kyle Pitts. Right. But, that, but I understand. It's random happenstance coincidence that all that happened. <laughs> but anyway, um, that was a good win all the way around. Look, the Falcons have some things to work on, right? They gave up too many rushing yards to a, the team that was the last in the league at running the football. Geno Smith had too many. He had 325 yards, and he averaged 7.4 yards per attempt. Good news is that he's got one pick off him, but 32 for 44. That's not quite 75%, but Geno came in at 81% completion. So their pass defense still has some work. I thought that A.J. Terrell played a lot better this week. Casey Hayward's got to catch up a little bit. He's got a little bit of catching up to do. Um, You know, look, they got a couple of sacks late on Geno. You saw Grady blow up the play. Lorenzo Carter coming off getting a play. But I was really happy that Richie Grant got that interception. He's been working hard. And he's been better in coverage this year. If you look at his coverage numbers, he's been better in coverage this year. And that's a guy that is paying off. Let me tell you the other thing, too. Eric Harris played no snaps on defense on Sunday. Let me repeat that because this is nothing but good news. Eric Harris played zero defensive snaps on Sunday. The only snaps he played were on special teams. That's where he played. Can we have more of that? Because I don't ever want to see Eric Harris on the field. I don't ever want to see Eric Harris. I don't ever want to sign Fabian Moreau or Deron Harmon ever again. Let Grant and Hawkins and Hayward and Terrell be your secondary. Now, look, after this week, Isaiah Oliver is uh, eligible to come off IR. You could use him. I like DeAlford, but I'd like to see Isaiah Oliver get on the field a little bit. So, so many good things all the way around for this team and what they did on Sunday. You see Rashawn Evans is a tackling machine, right? And I said before the scene started, I thought that'd be the guy that would lead this team in tackles. Troy Anderson got a little bit of run on defense this week. After building off of week number two, he got some run. In fact, he started the game. They were kind of in a weird, like, 2-5-4 defense to start off that game. So, he got some run in the game. So this is all good to build off of coming back home. Now, I don't know what that means for Sunday. I do think that Garrett and Clowney will both play on Sunday. I know Garrett's got a strained bicep, and he's got a a strained shoulder from that car wreck. But obviously, he's out of the hospital, and he's already back home recuperating. But I think he plays on Sunday. Let me tell you, muscle strained, you can shoot that bad boy up, and you can get through it. Because the Browns need this game. But I feel much better, this team coming home now, and at least you feel like now we've got a shot. At least you feel like on a weekly basis we're going to play well on our lines of scrimmage and we're going to be able to run the football. And don't look now, Patterson is second in the NFL in running the football. This game on Sunday features the two top rushers in the NFL because that group, that group that they bring on their offensive line, but Tony and Conklin and Teller and those guys, their offensive line is outstanding. This will be a great test for our defensive line and our outside linebackers. For Abikati, for Carter, for Ogundaje, 
for Grady, for Taquan Graham and these guys. This will be a real challenge because this is a this is a top tier elite offensive line that you're going to see on Sunday, and they might have the best pass rush duo in the league. And I know they have the best running back duo in the NFL. So this will be a fun matchup. But for whatever it is, it's good to come back with a win. And again, you feel like in the NFL, if you can control the lines of scrimmage and effectively run the football. By the way, you know Patterson has the most carries that result in a first down in the league, right? Yep. He has 17 rushes that have resulted in first downs. That's the most in the NFL right now. If you can move the chains running the football, you can control the line of scrimmage. And listen, Colby Gossett thought played well. There are a lot of interesting decisions upcoming for the Falcons because after the Browns game, everybody's available to come off of short-term IR. Dion, Mayfield, Davidson, Isaiah Oliver. Daddy, I got my hand raised. I'm going to go ahead and make a proclamation now. I'm ready. What is it? Two things. Uh-huh. Number one, Jalen Mayfield will either be released or on the practice squad. Okay. Because Gossett has played well and Elijah Wilkinson will be back this Sunday. Yeah. So they've played well enough on the interior. Okay. So that's number one. Okay. Second thing is mm-hmm. Deion Jones is going to miraculously have a broken arm or something. He's going to have a Rodney. <laughs> He's going to have the Rodney Dangerfield broken arm. He won't come up. Because once he practices, right. you have to activate him on your 53 within four weeks. Right. So – I think he's going to stay, quote, unquote, on IR, you know, like he phantomly did after he played all that time in the Jacksonville game, and then he pulled up, ooh, my arm, ooh, my arm. Or when they timed it out just right that he had his little minor cleanup procedure, oh, I don't know, not in February, not in January, not before the draft. No, no, let's do it the week that mandatory minis are coming up. Oh, then we got to get his shoulder cleaned up, and we can put him on the pup list at that point. Anyway, when we get back, Bob Nightingale going to join us. We'll talk some baseball with our MLB uh, Odyssey insider. What's up next? Chuck Green, the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, back out of the John Chuckery Show, live in the Key Studios Tuesday night with you. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line if you want to leave us a comment. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 910 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316 on Twitter. Well, the Braves uh, are down already a couple of runs here to the uh, uh, Washington Nationals. Goodness gracious. Uh, you know, need to get this thing back uh, on track, but... Anyway, we'll talk some uh, Braves baseball, and we'll go around the majors as we do here on a weekly basis as we head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Atlanta's Ford dealer. Joining us is our Odyssey MLB insider, Bob Nightingale. 
Insider calls are brought to you by driveway.com. Looking for a car? Go to driveway.com where you can get pre-qualified, buy a car, and get it delivered. And, of course, you can always follow Bob on his personal Twitter page. That would be at B Nightingale. And, Bob, man, listen, we've got the biggest series, you know, for the Braves this season, one of the biggest in baseball, if not the most important series, you know, of at least any merit here this season coming up this weekend with Braves and Mets. Yeah, it should be, uh, you know, hopefully the weather cooperates and, uh, you know, we'll see if they play that Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, I don't think they move it right now. Uh, but, yeah, it's a big one. I, I think it means more to the uh, Mets than, the, than uh, Atlanta just because, you know, uh, Atlanta is sad. I mean, that's a three at home, you know, no no problem. I don't think the Mets want to burn, you know, DeGrom and Scherzer uh, one, two, plus, you know, after leading the divisions for so long that they'd be a huge letdown for them so it, it's a uh you know it, it's a nice series to have but i don't think it's a massive series critical series for for the braves at all bob let me ask you you brought up the weather and obviously it looks like friday night is the big night that that there could be some some issues and things like that and while i understand baseball's got its procedures and what it does and this that, and the other but given the fact of where we are with the schedule and how important that these three games are to deciding who's going to be the wild card or who's going to be the division leader, if there's any doubt, do you have to err on the side of canceling things first? And even if that means, you know, I don't know, like you said, you, you, if you had to bump up to a Thursday or whatever, but do you have to be a little bit more overly cautious than you normally would be, let's say, for a series just in June? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you don't want to take away the, uh, you know, you don't want to have a double hitter this time of year. Right. You have to, you have to. Um, you know, you can't take, you know, can't go to a neutral site. Uh, you know, that's just un- unfair to the Braves having the home field. So, yeah, they got to be very, uh, you know, they'll be smart about this. I would think it, you know, it sounds like it's going to hit, it's going to hit Sunday, you know, better than me. If that happens, uh, you know, play Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, you know, if you have to, you play a double hitter Friday and get out there. Odyssey MLB insider Bob Nightingale joining us here on the WadeFord.com hotline. One of the things that probably hasn't gotten enough love, Bob, about the Braves, with all the good stories of, of Dansby's breakout year and his free agent year, obviously Austin Riley with another big year, Harris, Strider, Vaughn Grissom, everybody. But the catching position for the Braves, when you look at what Contreras – and Darno have done. And we know Darno's a you know a pretty good hitter, but obviously adding in Contreras this year and the ability to have two guys that can put up the kind of numbers and, and their catchers have combined for almost forty homers and over a hundred RBI now. Are they really kind of the unsung group, maybe not just in the Braves, but for, you know, really any team in baseball? I mean, they really Darno and Contreras, I don't think have really gotten enough love for how much they've contributed this year to this team. No, I agree with that. I mean, no one's really talking about those guys, probably because they split the time and everything else. Uh, but you're right. They are kind of the unsung heroes uh, of that team. They've been very steady, and a lot of teams would uh, do anything to have that kind of uh, you know production. Bob, let's talk a little bit about Michael Harris for just a second here. Um, he's a homer away from being a, a 2020 guy, and I think with Strider's injury, I think Michael Harris is going to get the nod out here. But the fact of the numbers that he's put up, I mean, considering when he started and he's only played in 107 games thus far, 
you get a guy that's 2020 in his rookie year like that. I mean, this has got to be one of the better rookie debuts that we've seen, especially for a guy that didn't play any AAA baseball. I mean, this has been a monster season, especially if he ends up with just at least a fun number of saying 2020 on the season. Yeah, it's too bad he wasn't up all season. If he was up all season, the uh, Braves would get a uh, top draft pick for him too. But you have to be in the open game roster, which he wasn't. Uh, but yeah, fabulous year. And, you know, he took off when he uh, got up, you know, for about a few days. The team took off on June 1st, and he was just caught up a few days before that. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to win rookie of the year. I think it would have been close if Strider had stayed uh, healthy here. But the fact he's going to angel list, what Harris is doing, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just, I think Harris has been winning the rookie of the year. When you think about this term, and, and you and I have talked about MVP, but if you had to if you had to put who's been the MVP of the Braves this year, what would your answer be to that? Uh, Austin Riley, uh, I, yeah, definitely Riley. I think he's going to finish top five or six MVP voting in the National League. Bob, um, let's bounce around the league a, a little bit. We talked about Aaron Judge last week, and we talked about the fact that, you know, I think you and I both agree there should not be a whole lot of doubt about about the MVP. But obviously right now he's leading the triple crown categories. You look at the numbers that he's put up. Um, I'm not going to call you an old guy. I'll call myself an old guy. But I'm not sure he wins the triple crown. I'm not sure how many seasons in my lifetime I would say I've ever seen better than what Judge has. And I've seen Bonds and, you know, I've seen a lot of those kinds of guys in my life. But I don't know. Where where would this season rank in Judge if he wins the Triple Crown? Is is it the best season you've seen in your lifetime? Or, I mean, is it right up there? Where would it be? It's probably top ten. You know, I think we get a little carried away because of uh the home runs and everything else. But, you know, I saw Bonds. I mean, Bonds is the greatest player I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he was unbelievable. Remember, now, Pujols' first 10 years were unbelievable, too. So, we, you know, we kind of forget uh, you know, all that. Uh, but, yeah, well, the, uh, but certainly a, a great year. And I think maybe what makes it stick out more is that hitting is so difficult now. And so his numbers jump out. You know, particularly guy hitting over 300. Was he 316, 315? Uh, you know, uh, and leading the American League, that part jumps out for a uh, for a guy that's going to you know run away at the home run title or RBI title. So, you think that his contract is going to be the most staggering number we've ever seen in baseball when all is said and done? I, I don't. Uh, I don't think it comes close. Remember, now he's going to be 31 when the season starts next year. People don't give up those 10- and 12-year contracts to guys that age. You know, we saw that with Cabrera. We saw that pull holes, you know, really blew up. I think we're looking at, realistically, uh, I don't see him getting more than eight years. Uh, you know, Mike Trout's making the most per year for a position player, which is 36 a year. So I think he gets somewhere between 290 and $320 So, But he's not going to get, you know, just a massive, massive contract because just because of the age. Think about what you just said. You know, well, it could be like three hundred twenty million. <laughs> Listen, that's a, that's a pretty good contract, isn't it? I mean, and I think though, I think to your point, you would figure that he's going to get the highest per year average annual yearly value, right? For for a contract, I mean, he's got to be a forty million dollar player, right? Even look, even if it's less than eight years, you would figure that they're going to give him at least forty million a year, wouldn't they? 
So they might get 40 years, I mean, 40 million a year at seven. If they go to eight years, which they'd be a little uncomfortable doing, you know, they may say, okay, about 38 million a year. So, I mean, Trout's got 36. He's the highest position player. The highest uh, in baseball is, is Max Scherzer at 43.3. But Scherzer just had a three-year contract, so it is different. Hi, uh, MLB uh, Odyssey uh, insider uh, Bob Nightingale joining us on the waitfor.com hotline. Obviously, you know, still trying to decide on the last playoff spot in the National League. When you look at Philly in Milwaukee, what do you think? Who do you think is going to win out between those two teams? I think Philly. They they have the uh, tiebreaker advantage too, which comes to big play. I mean, that's why you know, going back to the uh, Braves Met series, there, uh, you know, pretty much Atlanta's going to sweep that thing because they lose a tiebreaker to the Mets. Um, so it, it's the most, uh, you know, I, I think for Atlanta to win the division, get the sweep. And, you know, we're talking about Phillies and the uh, Brewers. Uh, Brewers are just, a, you know, very average team. I'm surprised they're still hanging around as, as long as they have. But losing that tiebreaker, I think, really, really hurts them. So I expect Phillies to be in there, probably as the number six spot, you know, which would play, a, uh, which would play St. Louis. Uh, you know, to the number five spot, then the Padres play St. Louis. You think the Phillies could be a spoiler in the playoffs? Do they have enough pitching? Uh, you know, obviously, Schwarber's had a monster year. They've got Harper back now when, you know, he was having a good year before he got hurt. But you think they could play spoiler to somebody if they get in the playoffs? I mean, it, it's possible. Uh, I think the team that played spoiler in the National League is the San Diego. I mean, that's got some tremendous pitching. When you can throw you Darvish at you and Joe Musgrove and you know, Blake Snell, uh, Mike Levenger, you know, now you got Josh Hader as a closer. Uh, that's a tough team. Uh, they could be a spoiler in the National League. Just like I think Seattle Mariners could be a spoiler in the American League with that starting pitching. But, yeah, I'd be more worried about the Padres than the Phillies if I'm Atlanta. Bob, the White Sox have been, if not the most, but certainly one of the more disappointing teams in in baseball, and La Russa's been out for a while and, and, and this, that, and the other. Look, they've got a bunch of young talent. I mean, that's what's made them so popular the last couple of years about, you know, being kind of one of those dark horses to, you know, be a, be a uh, World Series contender. Can they get this thing fixed next year? Do they just need – the right guy behind the helm steering this ship. I mean, is that Larusa? Do they need to make a change? Are they still a roster that you know can fix things pretty quickly? Where where are the White Sox at right now? <laughs> well, I think it's a little bit of a mess. I mean, it's almost like you got to kind of blow up that roster. I mean, just underachieved so badly. I mean, it doesn't matter who's who's managing. I mean, people thought, oh, okay, Larusa's sick. Here comes Miguel Cairo. Well, they quit under Cairo too. You know, at some point the players have to look themselves in the mirror. I think they got to make some trades and dump a lot of guys. I'm not saying rebuild, but they certainly got to reshuffle the deck. And let's be honest, with the way the Guardians are set up, you know, they could run that division for a few years now. I mean, they got the youngest team in the major leagues, 16 guys, made their major league debut. They're not going away. Bob, what direction do the Marlins go with the announcement that Don Mattingly is not going to come back? I mean, obviously, look, it's it's – one of you know, it's a it's a major league managerial job, but you don't expect them to probably pay a whole lot of money for anybody. What direction do you think they go with that job? You're probably a young manager. 
Uh, if I'm them, I'd jump all over Carlos Beltran. I really would. We had the Mets job until the uh, the 2017 scandal broke out. You know, he's just a player. I don't know why he got punished as much as he did. Uh, maybe Joe Espada from Houston Astros, who's been the coaching staff there for for a while. Uh, you know, that team isn't that far away. And with, with that pitching, it's too bad they didn't keep Zach Gallon. Gallon and Contra, that would have been a uh, unbelievable. They may have finished one, two in the Cy Young race, uh, well, you know, depending on Max Freed. Uh, but, yeah, it's a good job. It, it really is because I, I think they're on the verge of least contending. Bob, last question for you. Obviously, Chris Bryant got the monster contract out in Colorado, finished for the year, and I believe I'm right on this. He did not hit a home run at Coors Field this year. I think he got shut out uh, at home. Correct. Correct. Um, what do you do? I mean, do you just hope that he comes back and and can get healthy, or was this such a disaster that you have to think about okay, maybe we got to try to move on from Bryant and he's older too and beat up, broken down. But we talked about bad contracts last week. That's going to be up there too. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, people raise their eyebrows when they did it, and, you know, kind of question Bryant. Hey, if you're, you know, worried about winning and stuff, why are you going there for? If you're the Rockies, why are you, you know, pouring out whatever it was, $172 million uh, for a guy who, you know, hasn't lived up to expectations. You know, it's kind of a plantar fasciitis, so they don't move on. He's got no trade clause anyway uh, throughout the contract, and, you know, you have to eat half that thing. So it reminds you a little bit of the Anthony Rondon contract with the Angels. I mean, that thing's been a complete disaster now for three years. So this is the first year of it. And I'm sure the, uh, you know, if you're the uh, Rockies, you can say, you know what, even if he had an MVP type season, they weren't going to, you know, they weren't going to be a 500 team anyway. Bob is our MLB uh, Odyssey insider. And insider calls are brought to you by driveway.com. Head to driveway.com today to shop more than 25,000 new and used cars in driveways nationwide inventory. And, of course, you can find him on his personal Twitter page, at B. Nightingale. Bob, appreciate it as always, man. We will chat again next Tuesday. All right. Look forward to it. Thank you. You got it. When we come back from the top of the hour, Falcons flyover, we will hear from the head coach. We'll give you some pro football focuses grades from over the weekend and a couple other thoughts about Lindstrom and Patterson as well. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, hanging out here on this Tuesday evening. Sports Radio, not to the game, the Odyssey.com app.